So hello everyone and welcome to our 15th episode of Girl Like We Live. Um, this is our first one of 2022. I'm so excited about this. I hope the new year is treating you all well. And for those of you who may be new to this stream, a Girl Like Me Live is a project of the Upper Project and it is an interactive live streaming series events and health and wellness discussions and education among women who are being with now monthly, ICRCC Coven will sit down with different co-hosts to chat about key topics in our community. In today's episode, I talk with Michelle Anderson about self-stigma in dating. Oh, this is going to be a good one. I'm excited to be here and I hope you are too. Michelle, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? My name is Michelle Anderson. I am a policy associate for the Afia Center, and I am also a blogger for a girl like me. Um, I don't know what else you want me to say, but um, people might know me. I am also the uh, former, formerly 2011 Miss Plus America, the first openly HIV positive woman to ever run for and win uh, a national pageant title. Well, go ahead then. Congratulations on that. Um, so I want to know your affiliations with the Well Project. I heard you say that you're a girl like me. I'm, I'm sorry, a girl like me blogger. Um, how long you been blogging for the Well Project? I've been blogging off and on for the Well Project. Um, I think since what 2011. I want to say um, right, not too long after I won um, my title. So. Um, but I've been I've been in love with Krista even before then. So yeah, I've been around uh, I've been Jenny around the block for a little bit with uh, the Well Project. I think we could do a whole live stream on how much we love Krista, right? <laughs> but <laughs> pieces. <laughs> Today we're going to jump into this self-stigma in dating. When I saw this topic come across, you know, my email, I was like, yes, absolutely. Because how much does how I feel about myself affect the decisions that I make? And as I begin to speak a little bit more, you, you see that you're not the only one, you know, experiencing maybe some negative thoughts or anything when it comes around HIV. What are your experiences with self-stigma? dating so the uh some of the experiences that um make it complicated i would say to dating uh, as it relates to my own how i feel about myself that internalized stigma is that it's always scary to um for me at times to share um my diagnosis especially if i feel that is it is um a relationship that could potentially be serious um, for me, it was like, are they, am I going to, going to accept me? Am I going to be rejected? Um, you know, sometimes it may create some shame in me because, you know, I don't want to put it on my, like my social media stuff because I want to be the one to be able to, to tell my story. And um, it can be very difficult for me to negotiate um being in relationships, you know what I'm saying? Because I can't, it's almost like I can't show up to be 
my authentic self because it's because it's like my HIV come my HIV comes before me. It shows up in the space before I do, especially after somebody knows that I'm HIV positive. So it creates a sometimes it creates a lot of shame. It makes it very difficult. It saddens me because even now, you know, HIV is 40 plus years, you know here and folk are still not educated on it and stuff and so and i still hear some of the conversations that people are having about um people who are living with hiv that you know they shouldn't be dating they shouldn't uh be having sex you know and all that stuff I'm like hell no i'm still fine i still look good i'm gonna do all these things but then that internalize you constantly hear that sometimes it perpetuates that feeling of self-doubt that feeling that insecurity that um i have about my diagnosis. Absolutely, absolutely. I um you know, I've looked to those around me for a lot of support. I felt like for a long time that I didn't need anyone else to accept me because my people accepted me, you know? So if I stood on the top of a mountain and shouted it out, I didn't need one more person's acceptance. And a couple weeks ago, uh, a close, a close person to me, they had been involved with a person who was living with HIV that did not disclose their status. So it came back around, you know, although they've been consoling me for the entire diagnosis, now it comes out because they're angry and they go, yeah, and they, how could they treat me like that? They over there living with the package and all of it. I was like, yo, <laughs> but you've been supporting me this whole time. Is this how you really feel? It, it made me go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> cause that, that, cause that comes up too, you know, um, they, for whatever reason, people think that it's okay to attack me. If I, especially if I'm in a relationship and you say that you accept my diagnosis and then to come to bring it up and weaponize it against me, that has happened so many times. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm, you know, and, and but you still almost cuss. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> but you still messing with me. You still sleeping with me. You still in my bed. So how could, so what's that say about you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that that is so true. A lot of times people do do that. And then here's the thing. I don't need to have folk in my life to accept me, right? I desire to be in relationships with people, right? But I don't need you. And understand just because I'm living with HIV doesn't mean that I have to take whatever comes my way because no, I, I refuse to do that. So yes, you are absolutely girl. Yeah, boo bye, miss me with all that. I wish you would. While you sitting up there talking about my HIV and your ass messing with me. So that says a lot about you. Period. <laughs> so you, <laughs> so you already, you know, dealing with what? Well, I'll speak from my experience. I already expected when I got diagnosed that everyone around me was just going to look at me a certain type of way that I was going to receive this type of treatment. Um, I had never really thought the impact of what I was feeling about myself and how those messages that I hear on the outside do affect sometimes how I'm feeling on the inside. Like, I, I don't know. I never thought that 13 years later, I would still be sitting here and be talking about how HIV could be 
impacting me. And I think sometimes as leaders, um, I don't like to accept the title too much, but people that are living openly, you know, with their status and doing leading work, um, people think that you're in a, always in a space of like being okay or always in a space of coping healthily. And I can say for myself that that is not always the case. So many of my decisions that I have made, unfortunately, HIV has been at the forefront of it. You know, even I talk sometimes about when I decided I was going to have children. I thought I was going to be dead. I thought that I only had a little while to live because of all the ignorance that I had heard, you know, previously in life. So it's like, okay, if I have kids now, which was my early 20s. And maybe I'll be able to see these kids graduate through school. And now here I am, 33, and I was like, dang, well, I could have waited a little while. It was that messaging that I was telling myself that allowed me to make such a strong decision at that point. And, whew, oh, my gosh, sometimes I have to calm my thoughts down because it's a lot going on in here. So when it comes to dating, have you ever noticed... Have you dated, you know, down or lowered your expectations ever because of your HIV status? Hell no. <laughs> will not. <laughs> will not. But one won't do, the next one will. I'm just not. I just, I, you know, I, I well, early on I did. I felt like. I only should date men who are also living with HIV. And that's traumatizing too. So damned if I do, damned if I don't. Wait, you know? talk to me about that. How was that traumatizing? <laughs> because, you know, then they're going through their shit about being diagnosed with HIV. They're going through mental health, you know, their mental health issues around that and their own acceptance that for whatever reason, they don't treat me well. And so, and I feel like I deserve to be treated. That's just too much. I'm not willing to take on all of that. Hell, I got my own stuff I have to deal with. So dating HIV positive men just did not work for me at all. At all. And I tried it twice. It did not work. <laughs> it did not work. And so I was like, you know what, Michelle? You are, you understand your value and your worth because that's one of the things that i could not grasp i didn't know my value and my sense of work i thought that hiv took that away from me and i operated in that you know but today i know my value and my worth that hiv is just a very small facet of my life like i say this all the time and it does not have to dictate the outcome or the relationships i've had with with other people and so for me now i date like any normal folk would you know, person with they with seeking in um, relationships and stuff. I'm 51 years old, so um, it's it's not just about love. It's about companionship. It's about um, you know being able to uh, be supported in the work that I do. Understanding that I work long hours. You know, the typical woman stuff that happens in relationships. And if you know, and if it comes to the point to where I I share my diagnosis with someone. And they're not accepting of that. Cool, we friends. That is okay. I can't even be mad at you because there's some things I won't accept in a relationship too that I'm just not going to do. So I got you. I, I feel you on that. I, I really do. I, I have a funny story to tell, but I'll tell you that later. <laughs> I sure want to hear it. 
I, you know, uh, well, I was going to say it. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so uh, this person, there's some things I won't accept. So I get, I get where people are coming from, right? To each his own. I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay, you know. But even in the, someone came to me, and um, they were like, um, I told him, you know, he was cool, you know, and everything. We was going out on dates, we was kicking all this stuff. And he said, um, I told him, you know, about my diagnosis. He said, Oh, that's fine because, you know, um, I have, um, I've had, I've gotten, I had chlamydia and gonorrhea. And I was, I said, Oh, <laughs> that was a deal breaker. <laughs> Wait, what made that a deal breaker for you? Because I already got HIV. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but but said, we friends now, you know what I'm saying? So. And I think that is so mature of you. Like, I don't see me being nobody's friend after they rejected me. I'm not that mature, Michelle. It's How not, do you do it? Share with me. It's not about me. It's about them. Period. That's, that's, that is not about me. It has nothing to do with me. And I have to respect their, you know, I have to understand that. every I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And that's okay. Everybody ain't there yet. You know, luckily I've been able to, um, to meet somebody wonderful that, that accepts me. You know, all of me, you know, and that was the thing for me about relationships, you know, it's moving past HIV and just seeing me for who I am and what I bring to the table. That's it. I love that. I don't think I, I aspire to be to that level of maturity because rejection just does something to I don't know. It hurts and it, it stings hurts. and I don't want to be there. So it if does. you rejected me, I'm going to let you sit over there. But I aspire because it, it is so important what you just said. It is not about me. Mm -mm. It's, it's not, not about me. me. Mm -mm. Okay. And, and, and understand what one won't do, the next one will. But it took me that it took me because I was there with, with you once that hurt and the rejection, not wanting to be able to share because pe people can't live without water and love, period, and stuff. And and and, and it's trauma and it's re traumatizing because then you go back to that the day you were diagnosed <laughs> when every time you rejected, you go back to that day you were diagnosed, and so it does take something away from you. But eventually, you just gotta just understand again that HIV is just. It's not, it doesn't have to facilitate anything that's going on in my life. And, and it's by my choosing and nobody else's. My choosing. Oh my gosh. I love this already. Yes. I hope I always <laughs> long enough. Okay. So you mentioned something about shame, which I wanted to go back. Um, and, you know, preparing for these A Girl Like Me live events, we ask our cab members to provide some input. And this one came from Bridget. It was, um, she said she saw a line from a poem once that said, shame is the lie someone told you about yourself and you believed it. <laughs> yes, I heard that. Yes, ma'am. It sure is. It sure is. You know, um, we pick up other people back. That's they stuff. It don't have to be my stuff. I don't have to be an acceptance of that. And I choose not to be. 
is it hard to get to this point to where you know you you're comfortable living and and discussing HIV and and, and the, on this dating thing? Not all the time. It's not always comfortable. It's not. But it's a conversation that needs to be had because, see, at the end of the day, even if they don't want to be in a relationship with me, that's okay because that's my time to educate them on HIV. That period. And that's what I always do, you know, and I do. And and so that shame starts to dissipate because I refuse to continue to believe the lie that other people say. So the more I have conversations with people who still to this day don't understand HIV, the more easier it is for me to feel good about me. Absolutely. As you were talking, I'm just thinking, does it get different when you get a little older? Because as I'm noticing, it, <laughs> it could just be the area that I'm in, but the conversation makes it to sex so quickly. I met a guy. I was standing outside, maybe the Chinese store one day. And he comes up. He wants my number. We exchange numbers. The first conversation, he goes straight into sex. And I couldn't understand. Yes. Couldn't understand how we got there so quickly. And as when something like that happens, I definitely use that as an opportunity to educate because you don't know me, I don't know you, and you're just out here offering your penis. And I don't want it. If it's that easy, I sure don't want it. Yeah. Um, is Does it get different? Like, do people actually date? Like, that's a thing. It's not just... Child, they, they, they get older doing the same shit. <laughs> get older and they still think that's cute doing and then i use my hiv to burn them off but <laughs> well, then you weaponize it <laughs> okay let me unpick it run as fast as i can because it ain't gonna get no better <laughs> oh i got hiv now what <laughs> Please leave. Look, see, that's horrible. I have definitely been there too. Oh, we are something else. I tell you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick. What about you, Equal Show? Oh. Stop it, Michelle. Okay. Okay. Wait. So this came from um Joe. Okay. So she says that she's twice divorced. Both of her partners are HIV negative. Now, the question is, is it so difficult for a man who is not HIV positive to understand a woman living with HIV? As in, there are times she is fatigued and needed just a few minutes of catnip. There are times when women may not follow the rules of the house to the T. So did you understand? Like, mm. say that again, like, like how i think that is 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 training <laughs> tell me more. more i think that if you're involved in because i've been twice divorced too and so um for me i think it has a lot to do with coming in and laying it all on the table you know talking you know having this conversation not only about you know your diagnosis but what this relationship is going to look like for you what do you want out of this relationship you know because you don't just talk about hiv and then there's that 
you talk about all the other stuff that goes along with it. What's your deal breakers? You know, negotiation, you know, how we going to how are we going to manage this relationship? You know what I'm saying? So I think, you know, laying it all down on the table, this is what um, I'm needing from you. And, you know, and then having that conversation. Now, what do you need from me? You know, so it's it's about having a uh, open conversation. So then when you do get, you know, we get fatigued and all those things, then he knows how to operate in that. You know, he can be more supportive. And in the same breath, when I'm not feeling well, I'm still supporting him and lifting him up and letting him know that I'm I'm still with I'm still there with him. You know what I'm saying? So you sound like love. I hear it. I you love, sound- I love hard and I love, I love deeply. And so I'm the protector of my love. So everybody don't deserve that. HIV positive or not. Everybody don't deserve my love. So I'm very picky who I choose to allow myself to love because vulnerability of being vulnerable to people is, is so hard it can, and, it's, and it can be draining. It's yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Draining. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Just had a flash of all different types. Draining is a great yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Krista asked in the comments or we had, we hear a lot of questions about serodifferent or serodiscordant couples relationships from both people living with HIV and those not living with HIV. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Um, you've talked about, you've been in relationships with men who were living with HIV. So you've also been in relationships with men not living, uh, not <laughs> living with HIV. What, what was that like for you? Um, normal. Normal, normal relationships. Um, I was married to someone who wasn't um, positive and stuff. And so those relationships were normal. There was times I got, I did get out of the the marriage because there were times where my HIV was weaponized and stuff. And so um, I knew, and by then I knew that um, my value and my sense of worth was so important to me that I was not, I was refusing to stay to continue to stay married, continue to be in a marriage that um, didn't support my needs or didn't support me and stuff. So, but uh, after that, just being in relationships uh, now, now that I'm dating again, because the prior to that, the dating I was in, um, I took time out for me to get to know me. After my marriage was over, I needed to go to damn therapy. Shit. <laughs> I had because I was like, I lost all sense of myself. And I did. You asked me a question. Uh, did I dumb myself down? I did in that marriage for the sake of my marriage because I didn't want to end a second marriage and be ashamed that that second marriage ended. So I was willing to do whatever I could to make the marriage work. But when I realized it didn't benefit me, I had to move on. And so now because of what my experience, what I experienced in that marriage, I refuse to experience that same thing in relationships, right? And so to this day, even though I have people who, I have this person in my life who, who um, understands my HIV, understand that I ain't finna take no shorts. Understand that, you know, we're gonna have a adult conversation about, what we're trying to get out of this relationship 
you know, and those are the kind of things I've had did that's been different for me dating men who are not positive because during that time I'm allowed to be myself and educate him at the same time. Like, you know, about around everything. You you equals you, all those things, you know, or or just the fact that I'm 51 years old and I'm going through menopause and sometimes she be dry. Yo, okay, since we're here. <laughs> You know, okay. so it's normal relate normal conversations. It's really nothing different. It uh it has to be, it don't always have to be HIV related. Hell, we got that out the way. Now here's some other stuff that's going on. Absolutely. I love how you 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 frame it because HIV is one piece. I haven't even thought about it drying up yet, you know. <laughs> but we in the we're in a different part right now, you know, where is I'm I'm learning to relearn my body right now mm -hmm. after having a baby and mm -hmm. you know not looking the same way I did before I had that baby and mm -hmm. sometimes I just don't I don't whether HIV was here or not I just don't want to deal with you or you know right. <laughs> I'm having hot flashes move around you know I get hit you up later uh, yeah it's normal just normal shit HIV yeah. doesn't change relationships how I show up in yes. relationships unless I allow it period. yes period. a while ago you um you mentioned something about when you disclose or when you tell someone about your HIV status that is always a question as an advocate that I get asked and I know that my way isn't the way for everyone so is there, when do you know is the right time to share your HIV status with someone? For me is when I'm feeling a connection. I don't just go full on in a relationship and then me like say, hey, you know, because that person could be a, a seasonal person. Everybody that I, I, so I categorize folk. Everybody that come in my life is not there to stay. So you have people that you, friends, seasonal folk that come in and out of your life. And every time I share my diagnosis, I can't get that back, right? And so, and again, you still have, even though I can say it, there's still some emotion behind it. There's still, you can't get that back. And so for me, I'm very uh, strategic in when and how I share my diagnosis, because I think it's important that and this, it was never done for me. He never told me. I was in a relationship for two years and he never told me. And that was the driving uh, force behind me, how I share my diagnosis, because I don't never want that to happen uh, to anyone else that I'm involved with. Right. And so um, I just typically just wait. If I feel like, OK, this is going to get interesting, I might I'm probably going to sleep with him. Probably ain't going to be no relationship, but. You know. <laughs> he probably gonna get some. I probably, so probably get dusted off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm, I'm crying. I'm with I'm laughter though. Okay. Like, yeah, but I already done pick game. He's a seasonal person. But if he's just looking good and I need to rock with him for a little bit, okay. <laughs> okay. Great segue into you <laughs> equals you. You discussed that earlier. What can you tell us, Michelle? What you equals you? <laughs> I am so sorry, y'all. Already knew when y'all got me calling to be on this thing that I ain't gonna be right. 
This is great. <laughs> the demon, she like keep popping up. But you equal you is it means um, undetectable equals um, untransmittable, right? And so for us, it's all. Um, what that means is um, I have an undetectable viral load, and it's less likely I would transmit the virus uh, to uh, people I choose to uh, be involved with. In a nutshell. I think the amazing part of you equals you is that we can say that we can't transmit it because I've spoken about this before, how when I first got diagnosed in 2008, I was 20, you know, I was still in college and I was still doing a lot of, you know, fun, wild things. And having to have that conversation with someone of, oh, there's still, I'm taking my medicine, but there's still a 2% chance that I could transmit HIV to you. That sounds so much different. You know, yeah, and- it does. It does. It does. And <laughs> yeah. like, well, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> a 2% chance. Like, who wants to take a 2% chance? Any right. chance, any risk. Right. So, you equals you. I felt like that made my dating go so much differently. Like, now I could go out here with this confidence and be like, mm-hmm. I've been taking my meds. I'm undetectable. I can't transmit anything to you. And I, it just gave me such, you know, an air of confidence. And I'm grateful, you know, for that knowledge, for that information that we are a part of a people that can share that because, oh, Lord, 2%. Before I was positive, if you would have came to me and said that there were any chance, to me, 2% sounds like... (laughs) (laughs) It does sound like 98%. But zero. Like, yes, I can do this. Um, Let's see. It was a comment that pop up from Tonya. I want to read this. Um, She said, my biggest problem is getting out there again and how to tell someone who isn't paused. I've been single totally by myself for 15 years. Now I'm too comfortable with being by myself and don't want to be with anyone. I love being by myself, but also scared to start dating. Baby, (laughs) 15 years? (laughs) Baby, you... (laughs) It is time to get out there and start dating again, Tanya. Like for real. Like, like, um, and 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 a lot of that is gonna start with you, you know, and how you perceive your HIV diagnosis. Um, and this is probably this is a great conversation because how what is your self-created stigma? What does that look like for you? Because a lot of times we kind of get in the way of you know of being able to um seek joy to live in joy, you know, that um, we oftentimes feel that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be loved. And that's part of that, 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 that negative talk that we sometimes say in our head, you know, we blame ourselves for be, becoming HIV positive. You know, we sit and we think about, you know, um, I just need to be by myself. I don't, I'm not worthy of love. You know, I'm not worthy of be, not having someone in my life who, who loves me, you know, who treats me good and all that stuff. That's, that's a lie straight from the pits of hell. I deserve all the love that comes my way, right? I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be in a relationship, you know? And so the, my, my advice to you is to get out there and try. Nothing beats a failure but a try. You know, just get out there and see what life has to offer. Because 15 years, girl, shit, I'm barely making it. And it's been two. Oh, oh mm-mm, baby, 15 years. 
We're gonna tie. I'm gonna have to meet up with you and take you out. <laughs> I be seeing your social media too. You look like you be having a lot of fun out there. I do live in my best life. Yes, all dressed up and made up and all of that. I want to do that. <laughs> you gonna you and you can and you I will, can and you should. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I'll give Zuri a couple more months. Yeah, we got to link up. After all of this mess is over, we got to link up. So excited. Like, I feel so encouraged right now. I know that was for Tanya, but I feel so encouraged. Get, get out there. Enjoy your life. HIV is just HIV. It's a diagnosis. Period. It's a diagnosis. You don't see people out there with diabetes. You know, they still out there kicking it. You know, you don't see people. You see people out there who, um, if, uh, Bodily challenge. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Unpack that. Fat challenge. Like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bodily no challenge. No bra. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Our best life. Do live your life, child. Life is waiting for you to find it. Live it. Live it. Uh, I'm going back, scrolling back through some of the comments. We're missing so much because you got me cracking up over here. Okay. So I'm <laughs> could do this all day. Um, Bridges says, you equals you starts the conversation. Then that's why you got to have that reverse conversation about what he has in his testing status. So important. So when he says he has chlamydia and gonorrhea, you can run like my Michelle said. I'm kidding about that part. <laughs> But that does bring up a more important conversation of what is your testing status like? Like, I know what I got going on over yeah. here. Do you even know what you have going on? Over right. Here? Have you ever taken a test? You know, have you ever had any other, you know, sexually transmitted diseases in your life? Again, it's a time to educate. You know, um, it's, a, it's, it's almost, I don't want to say normalize HIV, but during this conversation, because we can't normalize. I don't believe that we should normalize it because people are still dying. We're not getting, people are still not getting the resources they need to live and thrive with HIV. So, um, but having that conversation about your sexual experiences, who you sleep with, how you have sex, who you have sex with, when you, when you have sex, why do you have sex, having all these conversations so that when it, nothing will come up as a surprise. And you can also negotiate what's going to be a deal breaker. If there's something that you're not going to be able to handle. You know, um, I've uh, there have been people who reached out to me that knew my stats, but they want to be in a polygamous relationship. Hell no, I I I'm stingy. I don't share nothing with nobody. We good. You know what I'm saying? That's a deal breaker. No, I ain't gonna do that. Come on, <laughs> baby. <laughs> I'm 51 years old. <laughs> Sharing is not always caring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a handful by myself. And if oh, nobody yeah. know now, they know. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So, okay. okay. Kathy, Kathy said, being confident <laughs> in one's own knowledge of HIV is a good start. And it helps to have resources and links that we can refer to. 
which I think is great to the other person to read. Actually, that's how I've disclosed before or told the other person about my HIV status was I just handed them a pamphlet. I didn't even feel like having a conversation, didn't feel like, you know, any of that. And I was grateful at that time that I did have a resource to be able to pass off to them. That was earlier in my diagnosis. You walked around with pamphlets? No, it was in my house. I was at that time I was working at a, a AIDS clinic and I just happened to have the disclosure pamphlet there and he was there. So I shared it with but no, I'm not walking around. Today I'm able to say it a lot easier. Okay. I'm okay. able to I could do that. No, I ain't got no pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dedicated, but not today. <laughs> Have you ever had the conversation? Now is me interviewing you. Have you ever had the conversation where you want you trying to pick their brain prior to telling them about HIV? So you'd be like, when you have the whole sex conversation and you say, So how do you feel about HIV? That sounds like a great approach. Thank you for that. Never did that. Nope. I'm always it's better than carrying them pamphlets. <laughs> Thank you. I'm adding this to my toolbox. Never. <laughs> Never. Okay. So picking their brain first. So depending on their response, then I guess I could see that conversation going one way or another. Okay. See, yeah. we need your wisdom. I need your wisdom. I'm yeah. over here just doing stuff. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maria's right. In early days, we did do that. We've taken Sarah to score counseling oh. <laughs> to break, you know, the fact that we're HIV positive because we couldn't do it like we were afraid to do it in fear of being harmed. And so we back in the day, we went to Sarah, we took him to Sarah, Sarah to and counseling. And you sit in this room and you sitting with somebody, a person, a counselor, whatever it is right there. And then you share your diagnosis in, in that space. Or, you know, you share your diagnosis. Now you're taking them to counseling to talk more about it. Um, and so um, that helped prevent the harm and stuff. So it, and it also made it easier that you went by yourself sharing your diagnosis, that there was somebody else in that space to kind of help negotiate that. But unfortunately, we don't have that like it like we did back in the day and stuff. And so I would tell anybody when sharing your diagnosis, first get to know that person because he may not be worthy of you sharing your diagnosis, especially if he's a seasonal person, especially if he's somebody that you don't see you yourself being a relationship with you know if y'all are going to be friends be friends you don't have to share with everybody because again there's draining and you can't get that back it is emotional and people just don't deserve you i love that perspective i'm going to definitely apply some of these things to my life moving forward now i'm in a situation now so maybe the next situation mm-hmm. you in situation it's definitely a situation, <laughs> but we're here. So thank you so much for this. You keep saying, you know, back in the day, how much live experience do you have? 20 years. 20? Oh, wait, no. 22 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So thank you for still being here. Thank you so much for, you know, leading a path for people like me to be able to, you know, see that there is some hope. Because like I said, at 20, I thought I was going to be dead by 40. 
or that my life was going to be completely over. So to see that I could make it some more years, that's really, really exciting. Oh, yeah. And then you and life feels good. Yeah, life is good. And believe it or not, when you hit 50, you're going to have a rebirth. 50? I thought it was 40. So it's 40 and 50? 50, your body going to wake up and she's going to say, hey, I'm here. What you going to do about it? That's what Whoa. happened to me. At 40, I had an awakening. At 50, she was like, <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> you know, well, That's exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. My whole life shifted. <laughs> My whole life shifted for the better. Oh, I love this conversation so much. Maria said, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> be ready. She going to wake up. <laughs> she going to wake up. You know, and, and, and the good thing about being in relationships and being with somebody, you know, um, that understands you and stuff and being able to have uh, those conversations around sex and, and being able to talk about it. Um, one of the things that I share I'll tell you, and I'm sure you probably gonna think it's funny. Um, even you know, we I have normal relationships. So, and if I'm mad at him or whatever, and you know how men is they're talking about makeup sex or whatever. No, when I'm mad, she mad, we mad. Period. It's connected. All of this is connected. You know, we mad. We mad at you. <laughs> you know, and stuff, and being able to be able to say that. And 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 be okay and understanding, you know, that some people just ain't there yet, but it's up to us to continually educate folks, even in the relationship with the person that accepts your HIV diagnosis. So stigma told me that my vagina was less valuable because it had HIV. It did for me. It did it it did I, it said the same thing to me until I when I dealt with my own self-created stigma, then I realized this, my shit is gold. Is it? it okay. Is Platinum. <laughs> and everybody don't deserve your treasure chest. I think I'm just now getting that lesson now. I think I'm really just coming across it because, you know, I've even dibbled and dabbled with the idea of celibacy or abstinence. Um, I didn't think, I don't know. It's just maybe there is so much trauma connected period to, you know, the diagnosis and the abuse and all of that, that I have literally never given it a rest. And I always felt like it has to come with dating, even like you have to, like, how can you separate dating and sex? And now at the age of 33, almost 34, I'm like, wow, I I don't have to do that if I don't want to. Right. I you don't, don't have to. Oh, Okay. Life is something else. I don't have to be in a relationship to have sex. What? I'm sorry, repeat that. I don't have to be in a relationship to have sex. Nope. Not that either. I, I but, don't have to. And that is another piece for me. So stigma told me because I was not in a relationship when I contracted HIV. So me and my, you know, sexually free ways is what got me HIV is what self stigma told me. So I can't go back and do that stuff because then people are going to still call me those same names that I be calling myself because I got HIV from these actions over here. Yo, this brain be going through a lot. Okay. This, I don't know who else is, but mine works over time. And you have um, to interact that. You have, you know, it's, it's, you need to just, you know, have that, that conversation, you know, yeah, you, you, yeah, I hear you, but uh, 
You know what I'm saying? And just like, yeah. you know, you have to counteract that conversation. Like, no, no, that's not, that's a lie. That's a lie. Just because I was in a relationship, not in a relationship with somebody, uh, doesn't mean that I deserve to be HIV positive. It does not. I didn't do anything wrong or different to become HIV positive. Nothing. I did nothing wrong. And I, and I tell myself that all the time because somebody taught, had to tell me. I didn't do anything wrong. You know, uh, you know um, sex is sex. It is what it is. Everybody has sex, right? And so I didn't do, how do I, why do I, why is it that I deserve it? You know, and so I, no, you just tell you, girl, you got me just dumbfounded. Now that's the first time anybody's ever got me where I'm stumbling over my words when you said I that it. because I love you to pieces <laughs> love you to death. but hell no don't tell yourself that do not just counteract that thought and just say no I didn't do anything wrong as a matter of fact I'm going to show you how I didn't do anything wrong I mean, it is what it is. I'm, and I'm going to continue to have sex. And I may have sex with somebody not in a relationship. And I may have sex with a friend. And I may have sex, you know what I'm saying? And I may have sex outside. And I may have sex in the back of a car. And I may have sex in a hotel room. And I may have, you know, in somebody's house. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't mean I deserve HIV. Period. Oh my God, I love this conversation so much. How's this time going by so fast? We gotta do a personal call, okay? Okay. I need you personally. All right. Okay. <laughs> so this is Maria's input. Um, she says that her input about disclosure was like before you equals you. Disclosure was hard. She said, but I had a method to my madness. Therefore, I never rejected. Thankfully. So I guess she was never rejected, thankfully. Now I just post about it continuously as an ambassador and send them to the Google, to um, the CDC statement, undetectable equals untransmittable. If they don't believe in the CDC, then I send them to the NIH, UNAIDS, WHO, Housing Works, Health Departments all over the globe, etc. It's easier to disclose now. I loved it. Like just that there are so many resources, as Kathy mentioned earlier, that we can refer people to mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to all be on you. Like, hmm, got a place just for yeah. you. Yeah, it don't have to be all on you. That's too much of a burden for me. You know, um, I can educate people so far, but they have to take it upon themselves to educate themselves. And yes, you and I use resources. I tell them to go to, you know, the CDC and the NIH and stuff like that to to really, and I said, don't go on the internet, just be Googling anything. Everybody put everything on the internet, don't necessarily mean it's true. But here are the resources that you can go on and look and, and see for yourself. Don't take my word for it. See for yourself. I love that. I used to, when like I was messing with a person for a while, I would take them to the doctors with me because I always felt like just me telling them, they probably thought that I was like fluffing stuff up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Krista said, and the Well Project. Yes. And the oh, Well Project. Of course. Come on. <laughs> Please. Come on. Sorry. www.thewellproject.org. Yes. There it is. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the Well Project. Of course. I don't even know what I was saying anymore. My brain is everywhere. No, it's fine. Like this, I love this. I want to say everything. 
Um, let's see another thing from Bridget. Do you think self stigma has roots in childhood slash teen trauma that translates into self stigma after diagnosis? It perpetuates it. It perpetuates it. Absolutely, if I know you, in my own way. Yeah, it perpetuates it. You know, it's it's like one more thing. Um, I, you know, growing up, I um, was molested. You know, I've had a lot of sexual trauma. Uh, rape, all those things like that. And so um, HIV was just one more thing to say, this is what you get because you're bad. Just because you deserve it. That's, that's what I told myself. Because you, uh, all these things happening to you, in some way God has allowed this to happen because you deserve it. Right? And so, and, 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 that, and that was prior to learning about uh, HIV and stuff. And um, but one of the things I tell people is, you know, deal with your shit. Go get, go, go to therapy. Go to therapy. Don't just go to church because some people think therapy is in church. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. Um, and, and start uh, working on those issues that um, led you to an HIV diagnosis. Because here's the thing. All that stuff that happened to you led you to an HIV diagnosis. You had no control over it. No control. It was by design. Oh my God. So I'm going to pull all of that together. So I had this therapist that I absolutely loved for like three years. And that's what we were doing was unpacking all of these things that happened to me, you know, previously in life. And she said exactly what you just said in different words. She would always say that like, HIV was at the tip of the iceberg, like you could see it, but there were all these other things mm -hmm. under the surface that led us there. So all the things as you're mentioning, like I'll even throw in like poverty and, you know, other disparities and living in the ghetto and all these things that led me to my HIV diagnosis. So by the time I got to HIV, it was like, damn, another thing. On that the was awesome. Yeah, just one more thing to deal with. Right. Goodness gracious. Mm -hmm. And at a time where I was, you know, I've been a bigger girl most of my, all of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming out of trying to find myself and get my esteem and all of it. And I felt like I was finally in a good place. Had dealt with my last bout of like suicidal ideations and acting out on those. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my life together. And then here goes the HIV diagnosis. Like, well, dang, goodness gracious. Yeah. And just, if I didn't love myself before, like now you got to, got to, because I know that how I present myself to other people is how they are going to receive all of this. And if I go to them, you know, all gloomy and do me about it, that's how they're going to perceive me. Or, and I just did not want that. So educating myself and definitely therapy has played a major part in me being able to move, you know, forward and then realize that HIV isn't even the main thing that's going on. Mm. That's just the outcome. Shit, you got all the other stuff underneath that iceberg that you got to deal with. That's the cause. Yes. That is the cause. Yeah. You know, it ain't an iceberg until it is rooted in something, right? That is the cause. And so for me, being able to understand and understand using that whole reproductive 
uh, justice framework to really understand that a lot of the stuff that led to my HIV diagnosis is by design. All, all those uh, systems of oppression that impeded on my, my life so that I could not live and thrive or catch a break led to my HIV diagnosis. You know, and 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 the and all those other traumas that the, the rape and all this stuff, all that is by design. I had no control over it. And when people stop thinking that HIV is based on behavior, and then start thinking that it's, tra it's trauma led, then people will begin to understand how HIV, how somebody can become HIV positive. It has not because trust me, if I had not been living in the hood. If I had not been on welfare, if I had not been uh, 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 without the, uh, if I had not been for not having a lot of the resources that I um, needed to be able to raise my children, I would never dated that dude. If it hadn't been for not that trauma that I suffered and thought that I had no value, no sense of worth, I would have never dated that dude, and I wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation with you. But if I had if I had all those things, if I had all those things for me, we wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation. And I guarantee you wouldn't be sitting here either because we wouldn't be having to talk about HIV like this because they'd have been gone. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Well, this is so deep. <laughs> so <laughs> we're getting, you know, we're nearing the end. And I want to go back and address something from um Tanya. I'll come back to the comment, but I think that the, you know, how do you, after you've been out the dating game for so long, how do you even re-enter? Like, where do you start? What are your tips for someone? You said it's been two years. Um, Wait, but you've dated within these two years. Yeah. Don't get okay. on, don't get on them apps. <laughs> Why not the apps? Baby, <laughs> what's wrong with the ads? <laughs> That's where I found Zuri's dad at. Okay. Okay, but <laughs> it gets interesting when you get my age. Oh no, this one interesting too. Please don't be misled. Okay. <laughs> Should have deleted their door. If you my age and you taking a picture with your shirt off, showing your taco meat. <laughs> Last <laughs> That's what they be doing. Wait, you don't hear the young boys try to talk to you? All the time. I'm like, what a long baby. No. <laughs> they no, we ain't no. <laughs> I have uh, here lately, it's been a lot of younger gentlemen and they be in their 30s. No, mm -mm. you know, it's not, we're not being going to be in no playpen. We are not, you ain't finna use me as a, uh, what do you call them things? A, a jungle gym. <laughs> <laughs> it gets real interesting on them apps though, for real. But just get out there. Yeah, I say get on the app. Just, just, yeah. Then Brent talking about yes, like told him a girl. <laughs> what am I gonna do with you? I will have you sucking your thumb and reevaluating your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> At twenty-five, uh -huh. 
I ain't the one to play with. But <laughs> just get out there. <laughs> I get men in the set, girl, and they be with they be walking with their shirts off too. That shit is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. It is not. And you're wearing gear. Y'all hurting my head. <laughs> you're wearing, why are you wearing? Why are you wearing young men clothes? You, <laughs> 70, 80 years old. Go sit down. That shit ain't cute. <laughs> so it gets interesting. It gets interesting as you get older. But no, just get out there. Just get out there. You gonna win. You gonna win. You gonna miss. Just like, do you go to the supermarket? Do you go to Home Depot? I heard that suggestion before. Like on a Saturday morning, they said they get up and go in there. But Home Depot ain't never worked for me because I always get some old white men. <laughs> I'll be so lost in Home Depot. <laughs> Walmart. Mm -mm. <laughs> I just get out there. I go out. Like I'm now. I'm finding the time. Like for me, it's good getting out of my comfort zone. Oh, you cried. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> go out. With Tyson, yes, big stomach and jeans. Hey, girl, girl. And then they squatting. If you squatting by a car taking a picture, I'm squatting you. Wait. <laughs> that's not a pose that came from back in the day. No, that's Pinterest. <laughs> Stop. Okay. <laughs> but no. Portia said the dating pool got pee in it. Yeah. <laughs> it do. It, it do. I mean, and, it's like the the pool is not. There's not a lot to choose from, you know. And and oh, let me tell you one thing. And so here's the thing. And so then learning what i just learned is that you know it is okay i can date successful men what i can literally date successful men you know what i'm saying because i had that negative talk that when i did date somebody that was successful and i told them about my diagnosis they weren't in acceptance right because they were all about appearances or what that's going to look like to their friends and all this stuff like that Right. And so I was like, no, that's just one person. You get out there. There's another, there's somebody out there for you. Right. And stuff. So I just get out there. So now I go to places that I know that um I can meet a quality guy, you know, that um, you know, and it's okay, you know, and if you know, if it don't work out, it don't work out. But yeah, I just get out there. I'm going out this weekend. I loved it. I hope you post a picture. I can't wait to I see will. what you're wearing. I'll be stalking. Okay. It's an uh, all-white party. Oh. Ooh. Makeup going to be beat. Beat to death. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Everything. Beat to death. <laughs> this has been a wonderful conversation. Wait, no, before we go. Tanya, you want to know where? We realize we're not going to Walmart and not Home Depot. Sounds like you're going to a party. Is that where you're making yourself more accessible? Yes, like I go. People invite me out. Instead of me turning them down, I go out with them. Um, the last place I went to a club, I felt like I was in the meat market. But I went, <laughs> you know, and stuff. And clearly there was nothing there for me. And that's okay. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a win. So, like, you know, go, go to where you think, like, don't go to church. 
and try to find a man. Because, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a whole conversation. Uh, um, go, I, I go out to like, like this weekend. I'm going to a um, a jazz and old school brunch kind of get together, all white party. You know, places like that, and that's where I go. You know, and and find, you know, and talk and have fun. Maybe I'll meet somebody. Maybe I won't. Switching supper clubs, jazz spots, take yourself to all that. Yes, yes, Bridget, all of that. Places that you would not typically go and stuff. And and it's time to experience life. It don't necessarily mean that I have to go out there just in search of seeking somebody. Hell, I just might want to take myself out because this year is a year of self-love. Period. And elevation and transformation. Enjoy yourself. Love yourself first. Because if you don't love yourself, there's nobody, you, there is no way you're going to find that person that loves you. Because how you feel about you right now is the person, is how the, that person is going to, you're going to attract. Did I say that right? The person, I get what you. How you feel about who you are now is the person that you're going to attract. Oh, man, that is such a big deal. That is so stigma and dating. Oh, wow. This was such a great conversation. Oh my gosh, I think it could go on for another hour, but we're going to go ahead and end now. Thank you all for joining in on our 15th episode of A Girl Like Me Live with Michelle. That was fantastic. Thank I you so much it. for joining us. Thank you. <laughs> we'll be doing A Girl Like Me Lives now. We'll be streaming on the fourth Monday of each month. So look out for us again at the end of February. And I can't wait to talk to you all again. So thank you once again. And y'all have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.